Hey everyone, it's LPJ. I hope you've been enjoying our show and the other podcasts on GameZilla Media. We invite you to check us out on patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. You can support us at either the $1 or $5 tier. If you become a patron at the $5 tier, you get a ton of additional content, including the post credit scene, our monthly Patreon show. Thanks for your support, and hasta la vista, baby. The year is 1956. Elvis Presley releases his first hit song, Heartbreak Hotel. The average monthly rent is $88, while a gallon of gas costs only 22 cents. And John Wayne creates the least catchy catchphrase of all time, that'll be the day. GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz, hot shot! Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need for need for speed. Please, you can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and sitting across from me in a lovely Venom shirt, it's Hovercraft Joe. <laughs> How's it going, LPJ? Not too bad. And sitting to my right, manning the boards in the captain chair with all the power at his fingertips. People don't care. The Black Keys <laughs> man himself, the Sphinx. What's going on, everyone? You brought us pizza today. It was tasty. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's it's good to see you guys. It's been a long. It's mean like beh- peak behind the scenes. It's been a while since we recorded some episodes. Yeah, we so. had a little bit of a snafu. Oh, what, are you, what are you talking about? We just saw each other last week. Oh, we're, that's right. We, we record them all live. Oh yeah, some other movie that I don't remember we yeah. did last week. What did we do last week? <laughs> we were talking about uh, Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. It was. Thor. Thor Ragnarok. That's what we were. Uh, we all enjoyed that movie. I love that yeah, movie. Jody. Yeah, he was there. Okay, and uh, we have. A special guest today we do indeed um tim is with us today hello tim, how are you i'm great i'm really <laughs> excited to be included here we're happy to have you we are happy oh, to thank have you very you. much yeah so uh tim brought this movie for us today he did indeed uh because we usually ask our guests <laughs> if they want to bring a movie on and so we had two movies we were going with and actually it was pretty anonymous that so we all Unanimous, that's the right word. <laughs> it, was anonymous. Anonymous. It, was, it was anonymous. It was anonymous. It was anonymous. Nobody knows what Nobody we watched. Nobody knew what we did. It was a blind vote. It was crazy. <laughs> it was unanimous that we wanted to do this one. That is The Searchers from 1956. Good old John Wayne. Yeah. This yeah. is actually, this is only the second Western we've done, I think. No, third Western we've done. Did the Young Guns too. Oh, I'm counting yeah. that as a Western. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's it's 100% a Western, man. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> this is the oldest movie we've ever done. It is indeed. Yeah. Uh, I think actually it would have been Fistful of Dollars. It would have been the next oldest. So, right? That was 68, yeah. I want to say. Yeah. So we've we've really, we usually focus in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, but I love, I love watching classic movies, so yep. um, I'm really happy we had this opportunity. And so we kind of start off, you want to find out um, our first... Associations with this movie, Tim. You can share with us why you also decided to pick it. Um, so, what do you got? Okay, so um, in 1997, their AFI released their first ever 100 Years 100 Movies list. Yep, I remember mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I remember watching that program live uh, when it aired. Yep. And I had they printed in the newspaper the next day a list of that 100 movies. Wait, what's a newspaper? Exactly. This is, <laughs> this is a very 90s story. <laughs> Uh, and so, and I carried that list of things like in my uh, in my trapper keeper all <laughs> nice. through high school, uh, and like I'd cross the movies off as I saw them, uh, and I would go through the TV book every week to see like what are they showing. Uh, and so I remember that uh, the Searchers was on that list. It was kind of near the bottom. As uh, we'll probably talk about it since jumped up a little bit, quite a bit, uh, but. Uh, you know, going through there and seeing that it was airing on Turner Classic and taping that, and then like getting excited to to watch it a few days later, and so that would have been my first experience. Uh, but I've since seen this movie a whole lot of times. Um, I, I use it in a class that I teach, uh, and so I've seen this movie uh, just five or six times a year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> What is, what's the context that you teach with it? I'm curious. Uh, well, I teach a mythology course. Okay. Uh, and in that class, I do a unit on the Western uh, as a kind of American mythology. Very cool. And so, um, you know, I combine that with a few uh, Western short stories. Uh, we look at the searchers uh, and sort of think about the sort of myths that the searchers are propagating about, um, you know, who we are as Americans. Very, very cool. Cool. Hmm. I like cool. that a lot. Real cool. Joe, you want to go next? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of similar, to be honest with you, because I remember watching that same AFI special. I Even as much as I remember, I still have somewhere in my apartment, I bought like the DVD of that special. <laughs> and I was, uh, for a while, I was pretty obsessed with trying to watch all 100 movies, so I know that I watched this in the effort of that. Also, this is a movie that is a favorite of my dad's. In fact, the copy of it that I watched for this uh, podcast was his copy. He was like, I think I have that on DVD, so it was nice. Uh, and he always, like, the one thing, and we'll get to it when we talk more about the movie, but I know he always brings up the part where they're having the uh, the funeral, and, and uh, John Wayne tells the priest to put an amen on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. Um, this is the first time I've seen this movie. However... It's definitely a movie I had heard about quite a bit, just throughout, you know, over the years. Um, there's a podcast I listened to um, called Unspooled, and they did a whole episode on this, and it, it kind of got me... I don't love Westerns. I generally don't. But this is one of the ones that I really did want to see quite a bit, just because, you know, people like Spielberg and and, and um, uh, Scorsese, and everyone are, for whatever reason really drawn to this movie and it's hugely influential so i just kind of wanted to see what it was all about um and yeah and i'm definitely glad we got a chance to watch it yeah i'm kind of a mixture of everyone in the room i i i'm younger so i didn't remember watching the afi special (laughs) but i was definitely aware of the special and in college i also tried to go down the list and catch them all i didn't make it to searchers let me know if you want to borrow the dvd (laughs) okay (laughs) or if you need it on vhs (laughs) oh okay um anyone got the laser disc copy i bought it on digital if you want to borrow my voodoo account (laughs) okay And but I never got to it, so this was my first time seeing it as well. And I was and and I was excited to want to watch it because of the lore behind this movie. I mean, people say it's it's John Wayne at his best. It's it's set up, you know, pretty much what LPJ said. You know how all these other people have been influenced by this film. So I'm really really happy that we were able to do this. And also shout out to my father-in-law. I don't know how often he ever listens to our show, but I know that he loved our western episode uh, with. Um, Fistful of dollars, so <laughs> not young guns too. <laughs> not young guns too, <laughs> and and he's always been one to try to get me into watching some more westerns and whatnot. So uh, hopefully he'll be listening to this. You should have watched it with out. him. What up, Sphinx's father-in-law? <laughs> you know, it's we, we watched it like on a Tuesday night. It was it probably wouldn't have worked out, but you know. All right, fair enough. But I got it. I got it at my local public library. There. You, oh, you, you get so many of them. I feel like that should be our new segment: is how did you watch it? <laughs> Sometimes you know it does get brought up. I guarantee Jody and Sphinx could do a, a podcast just about stuff they've gotten from the public. Yeah, library. just be called like, "What'd you get at the library this week?" And they just go through. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm making sure my tax dollars get used. Hey, well. no, it's you're being smart, dude. <laughs> I, got I, you. Sh- I should get a library. Membership. I just try and bootleg everything. <laughs> um, All right, okay. <laughs> uh, we could probably go right into lightning round. Do you want to do that first? Yeah, we can. Do that. Sure, we can do that. Yeah. All right. Let me get my own music going here. Thunderstruck. There it is. All right, you guys ready? Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. Oh, lightning round. He reads questions. We answer them. There's kind of points. And then at the end, Sphinx says, yeah, you won. All right. <laughs> Pretty much. Director John Ford filmed two real battles from World War uh, World War II. What are they? Uh, Midway and D-Day. That is correct. Nice. Damn it. <laughs> John Ford has the most Oscars for best director than anyone else with how many? Four. Six. <laughs> Tim's going to kill it. Damn it. John Sorry. Wayne was how, which I'm surprised it's only four. John Wayne was how old when the movie was released? Yeah. 36. 56. 51. Closest, 49. Ah. Uh, closest to it, how many movies has John Wayne been in? Oh, Ugh. God. Uh, I'll say 78. Uh, 68. I'm going to say 110. 170. Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I was looking in 1933. He did 11 movies that year. That's uh, wild. So, but some of those were like B-level movies and whatnot. Yeah, and but, he really wasn't a star until 39, so those are probably really small parts. Yeah, but I'm going to count it, dang it. <sighs> wow. Uh, this movie is available in three languages. What are they? English. Yeah. Spanish. <laughs> yeah. And German. Think of the movie. Navajo. Uh, it is Navajo. <laughs> yes! nice. yeah. All right. 
Uh, it's all that work I did playing Chavez when we were kids. <laughs> in the early 1990s, there was rumor of a remake that was to be set in outer space. Uh-huh. Who were oh supposed goodness. to be the leading actors as Ethan and Martin? I got nothing. Oh, this one, oh. I saw this. I'm trying to think who it was. Like early 90s. Was Patrick it Tra- Swayze. It was no. Travolta. <laughs> no. It was Nick Cage. No. <laughs> it was Bruce Willis. It was Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Who was going to be Martin, the younger guy? Edward Furlong. <laughs> no, but kind of looks like I'm at that age. Uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Oh, wow. Oh, really? <laughs> I was going to yep. guess Kurt Russell. I feel like if you were to make it now, I'd want Kurt Russell. I think you're I right. I would agree with that. I think that. Kurt Russell would be great. Yeah. In the climatic scene where John Wayne and Natalie Wood climb up the hill and then come down the other side, going up was filmed in Monument Valley, but coming down was filled at Griffin Park in L.A., how far apart are these two places in miles? <laughs> what a geography <laughs> question? What's wrong with you? I teach social studies. Take a guess. Monument Valley, Utah to LA. 350 miles. 500 miles. 700 miles. 647. Oh. Oh. We were close. <laughs> oh, you were. Lana Wood, who plays the young Debbie Edwards, is what Bond girl? Ooh. Oh. I couldn't believe this. Uh, I have no idea. It's a Connery one. It's a Connery one? Yeah. It's a is she a mate? O'Toole. That is correct. Simons oh. are forever. Wow. Wow. Really? Nice. Yeah. Isn't wow. that crazy? That is weird. Yep. Uh, we probably know this one. It'll be who gets it first. Lieutenant Greenhill, the Yankee soldier trying to prove himself. John Wayne's son. Uh, yeah, Patrick, Patrick Wayne. Wayne is correct. <laughs> oh, Patty Wayne. At what time, last one, at what time does Natalie Wood finally appear in the movie? Gosh, I know, like 45 minutes in. No, longer no, than that. A, Dang it. An hour and 25 minutes. An hour and 21 minutes. How many total minutes of screen time does she have? That is like five, oh, I'd much. say. Yeah, I'd say probably like five minutes. A little less than 10. Wow. wow. And that is it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was a little really. I feel like the music on that lightning round ended like ended five like minutes, minutes before it was done. <laughs> I've realized the lightning rounds are not as lightning as they once used to be. No, I no. Might, might need to bring them down a little bit. I know they've turned they've turned into your like midterm exams. <laughs> they they kind of have actually. I need it's to like we got to do we got to do story problems. I the geography really caught me off guard <laughs> like, there. Who does this? This is a podcast about movies. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> some someone out there appreciated that question. Damn it! Uh-huh, I, I have no idea who. Yeah, but. it's called you when you re-listen to it. <laughs> You're not wrong. Sphinx in the car, like that's such a good question. <laughs> um, oh boy. Uh, okay, so I had the release date on this uh, March thirteenth, nineteen fifty six. Um, finding out financial information wasn't as easy as it is for something this old, but I do have that had a budget of $3.75 million, which is kind of hilarious to think about it in terms it of movies huge. these days. It does well, seem though, pretty it seems big, like a lot. Man. Well, back then, yeah, I guess maybe back then, what did we, what did I say in the opening that like a gallon of gas was 22 cents? Yeah. Rent $88 was $88. Was so I guess three, you know, almost $4 million is quite a bit. Yeah, I think my understanding is that this was kind of a mid-budgeted movie at the time. Okay. That this was not like a, a huge epic uh, or something, or even a smaller picture. That it was kind of in the middle. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, this isn't quite a Ten Commandments yeah. or Ben-Hur or anything like yeah. that. I mean, yeah. a lot of the movie is just John Wayne and the other guy just riding around. So yeah, Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll bet you John Wayne and John Ford made up probably half of that budget right there. What was the budget That's you true. said? Uh, I had it at 3.75, 3.75 million. Why are you going to fact check me? Or are you doing inflation on it? Oh, he's doing inflation on it. <laughs> um, while he's looking that up, the film is inspired by some true events. I don't know if you guys caught that. Yeah. Uh, from what I read, um, 1836, the Comanches abducted a girl, raised her to become a member of their own, uh, but gave birth to a son, which we didn't see in the film. The uh, U.S. Army came in and took her. She was reluctant. She wanted to stay with um, the tribe. Uh, the son stayed by, so she was taken back, you know, to U.S. territory. Uh, and then the son, I'm guessing out of anger, became the leader of that tribe. And then he <laughs> spent the rest of his life attacking U.S. Army troops. So, Yeah, and her uncle uh, actually spent about 10 years searching for her. Yeah. Uh, and so even though he never found her, it was, he was, she was later found by uh, Texas Rangers. Yeah. But there was that portion, that familial connection in the uh, search. Yeah, because I would say initially... Like when watching the movie, I was kind of wondering like how believable 
you would still be out looking for for someone, you know, to do that. Because again, uh, you know, as a, as the movie's going on, it, it's kind of hard to place the amount of time that's taking place. And then when like we see Natalie Wood as a grown woman, pretty yeah. much, or or at least a teenager or whatnot, yeah. you're like, oh wow, like they've been doing this for for a long well, time. I think then. they said like what like was it like five years at least at one point. I know that yeah. they don't do well, a lot of time of talking about it, but I know at one point they specifically mentioned it's been like five years. Right. It's been five years, I think, since a midpoint in the movie. They said. Yeah, yeah, like, it's been five years since they saw each other. Yeah, yeah. What was the answer for the Oh, it's about inflation. 35 million now. Okay. Right. So okay. still like um and then uh Rotten Tomatoes on this unsurprisingly is 98%. Wow. Uh and an audience score of 88%. Okay. okay. And that while right. while I can't give you where this place and cuz again, box office weren't as tracked kind of the same way they are, you know, more recently, but I do have the top grossing movies of 1956 if anyone wants to wager a guess at any of the top 3. I I could I could do Two of the top three, I think. <laughs> I, I would maybe guess like a Ten Commandments. Ten maybe. Commandments, yes, number one. I was gonna say I thought that was the same year. Uh, around the world in eighty days. That's number two. Nice. I got nothing. Number three is Giant, which was a um, a one best picture that year, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it did. And it's one no, of around the, the world in eighty days. Oh, did it? Uh, okay. Giant is what's his name? Uh, Rebel, James Dean. James Dean. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, which I think is also in the AFI list because I know I've seen Giant before. It is. <laughs> yeah, and then Natalie Wood, I guess from what I saw too, had just finished Rebel Without a Cause, like yes. right before yep. this movie. She started working on this one. Which that was interesting too. I found out Natalie Wood was still in high school. Yeah, yeah. this is a, that's a great story. Yeah, yeah. And so John Wayne and um, the guy that plays Martin, his name's blanking on me right Jeffrey now. Hunter. Jeffrey Hunter would would pick her up from school every day, and like the sc- students would be all like, ah, you know, it's John Wayne. <laughs> which that is a cool story. Yeah, it's like so cool. don't don't mind me, John Wayne picking up <laughs> Natalie for the day. That was, that was a great John Wayne. That was yeah, a really bad one. This whole thing going to be competing John Wayne impressions? <laughs> it is that might what's happen? be. The crazy thing to me from doing kind of the research. John, this was a C, and, and like I, I mean, like I had to double check, and like I'm still not convinced. What I'm saying a lot, but is that this movie like wasn't nominated or, or didn't win like any Academy Awards? No nominations. That's yep. crazy. As wow. as well regarded as it is now, it's crazy that it didn't even get nominated for anything. That's wild. Well, I think one of the things to consider there is that uh, the Academy has always had a bias against genre, uh, mm-hmm. as. People who run an action podcast, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, you know there isn't a western that uh, that wins Best Picture until Dances with Wolves. Yeah, uh, and yeah. so you know the western was really seen as not worthy of being nominated for the big Oscars that way. And the John Wayne did he get one for True Grit? Yes, and that was the first time really as a western role someone yeah. won an Oscar. And that's not right? the late '60s. That's still ten years on. Yeah, yeah, because so. yeah, essentially. Westerns then were what comic book movies are now. Absolutely. That's a great comparison. Yeah. Awesome. And um, we talked about the AFI list a little bit. Um, when they re-released it, I think it was in like 2007, yeah. is when this was up to number 12 on the list. Yeah. And when they released their list of uh, greatest American Westerns in 2008, this is number one. So. Yeah, yeah uh, there are so many movie, or there's so many lists that are that has moved this movie so up in their rankings. Yeah, so. yeah, the uh, the BFI Sight and Sound Critics Poll uh, has it headed at number seven on the last release. Oh wow! Uh, and so that's really quite high. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see here. We can probably go through some of the cast. Yep. Because it's loaded. Yeah. Uh. Obviously, we have John well, Wayne. Well, it's loaded. Well, it's loaded, but I mean, essentially, there's really not a lot of people in this movie. That's no, the weird thing. Yeah, I guess it's a, not. It's like all everybody's big. Yeah, but there's only a handful of really of, of characters, or That's soon true. becomes big. That's yeah. pro- I think probably yeah more accurate. So we have John Wayne as Ethan Edwards, yep. you know our, our leading man here. Uh, Jeffrey Hunter as Martin Pauly. Um, Jeffrey Hunter, I have a pop quiz for us. Let me make sure I can get my pop quiz right. Pop quiz, hot shot. <laughs> Look at that. LPJ, this one's kind of a little bit more geared towards you, but uh, what famous character from a plot of a famous TV show did Jeffrey Hunter play in? Captain William Pike. Nice. In, in the yeah. original Star Trek series. Yeah. Yep. I actually did know that. I, that's why I said I was kind of geared towards you. I mean, I knew you were the Trekkie. I, well, I know. well, guess what? Pop quizzes just aren't just for you, LPJ. <laughs> it wasn't gearing it. Just, I just figured he was going to have the best chance. I thought Tim might have had it, too, the, but I don't know if Tim likes you, Star you Trek. You guys, I'm not a big Star Trek guy, but You I guys can't see, but Sphinx literally turned right to LPJ when he asked, like, as if no one he else did, was in the he room. He held my hand. It was real weird. <laughs> I looked at me in the eyes, and he said, 
pop quiz hot shot. <laughs> no, that's not how. And he's not wearing his short shorts today, which is way better. <laughs> You're upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> I almost saw your balls. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's dial yeah, it back. Let's, let's bring it back here. Sorry, sorry. Uh, it's all of the male bonding in the film is this, really. This uh, is, is exactly. Over. This is a classy I feel, I feel episode. Like, I feel like Sphinx and I have spent five years on the road together. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> There's gonna be an episode where you just hear like yelling and screaming and fighting breaking out, and, <laughs> and then the show will be canceled. We'll just be done. Cancel. <laughs> well, not you can't cancel our show, but we can just stop. <laughs> There's anyway. gonna be replaced. <laughs> Hand it down too. from the executives at Gamezilla Media. You're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, bring it back. Sorry. Jeffrey Hunter, though, he he kind of had a sad end. Anyone catch what happened to him? He has a heart attack relatively young, I think. Uh, close. He he died of a brain hemorrhage. Oh. Um, but it happened while doing a movie. So and it was only four years after Searchers came out. It was nineteen. Oh no, it was like ten years. Yeah, it was sixty nine, I think. So he was doing a movie in Spain. Um, there was supposed to be an explosion that was supposed to cause a window to blow outward, like the explosion was to go outward. It accidentally was rigged to go inward, and it went like at him, and he had a severe concussion. Was airlifted from Spain back to L.A. Um, they just kind of. Checked it out. He was in the hospital a few days. Said, yeah, he got a severe concussion. And they sent him home. Nine months later, he's walking down the stairs of his house and just dropped dead from this hemorrhage. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Man. Sad. Uh, didn't mean to do the buzz kill, but we yeah, were... thanks a lot. He's, well, he's actually really good in the movie, I think. It's I kind of a, it's a very 50s-style acting. It's a little distant from the way we see things now, but like for its time, I think it's pretty good. And I think I felt like it was kind of James Dean-ish a little bit, oh, too, yeah, the way totally. that he acted. Yeah, I think all of the... That entire generation of actors was impacted by that that style that uh, yep. Montgomery Cliff and James Dean sort of uh, pioneered. Yeah. Vera Miles is uh, Laurie, um, who is famous for her psycho fame. Right, yep. um, you know she's the girl in the shower. Uh, Ward Bond? No, that's not right. No, no. which one right. is she? Uh, she works in the office. That's what it is. I'm sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Uh, Ward Bond is the Reverend or the Captain or the Samuel Clayton. <laughs> all right, whichever way you want to think about him. Which he always reminded me he's Bert from It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, yeah, the cop. And then we have Natalie. I've never Wood. seen that movie. Really? Yeah. Well, that wouldn't fit this podcast <laughs> at all, but it's a fantastic <laughs> movie. It's one of my favorites ever. Uh, Natalie Wood is the older Debbie Edwards. The younger one is Lana Wood, um, which, Tim, you said you think she's still alive, right? I think she might be. Okay. I think there's a good chance. It's one of the few we got. And, I mean, we could keep going. I don't know how far we wanted to go. That's probably... Well, I'd like to, if we could at least get to the Carries. Um, Harry Carey Jr., yeah, um, okay. in the film, uh, the son of the the great Harry Carey, one of the uh, legendary silent film uh, Western actors. Yep. Uh, also, his mother, who actually plays his mother in the film. Oh, I didn't catch that. Actually. Yeah. Oh, Olive Carey. Yep. Yeah, I can see that right As, here. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Jorgensen. Okay. She was a school teacher. Oh, nice. Uh, Hank Warden as well as Mose, and I know that um, he was big on the the Lone Ranger, I believe, yeah. uh, the TV show for that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Oh, actually, I did want to bring up, too. So all of the Indians are not Comanche. They're Navajo, uh, except Scar. <laughs> except for the one that speaks. Except for the one that speaks. Does anyone know what uh, what his background is? Yeah, he's white. Uh, he's actually, he's <laughs> yes. German, I believe. He's a German-Jewish guy. So I just find that kind of fun. <laughs> and I, this is a good point to bring up that I did not do any net worth for this episode because the majority of the main actors are deceased and we I generally don't do them for people that have passed away. They're dead. <laughs> I just wanted to hit the button. That's all. I mean, in theory, I could look them up. But <laughs> it's a great button to hit though, right? <laughs> it's it's kind of fun. <laughs> now you know why I hit it all the time. No, I, I got to do it. All right, no, because now it's going to keep going. They all there did. You go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I got really distracted again. Plot? <laughs> we could go into plot. Actually, one thing I did want to bring up, because um, we just mentioned the, the Navajo Indians, is this, now it's 2019, we're in an era of, you know, trying to be politically correct. Um, yeah, this movie's not super PC. No, no it's not. Uh, and even at the time, from some things I was reading, John Ford was kind of criticized for the way John Wayne 
kind of handles it. Like, obviously, the movie is kind of like a vendetta he has against this tribe. But, like, I one thing that caught to mind for me was, like, the he uses the derogatory uh, derogatory term, like, engines to, to call them Indians. That's that's an old, old-timer term. Um one of my one of my first notes is the phrase half breed in quotes and I have yeah. not cool. Yeah. Exactly. And he calls them blanket head a few times as well. Yep. I think uh yeah, which just would not work in today, no. but no. you know, it's 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 kind of like when we talked about Goldfinger and he was slapping sure. pussy galore around. You know, we're not saying it, it's good, <laughs> but at that, you know, that's at that, what happened at that time. Right, yeah. at that time that's kind of how yep. things play out. So, all right, we're ready through this plot here. Sure. Yep. All right. Oh, no, actually, oh, we can't do the plot yet. We got music to do. Oh, oh we do. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right, yeah. We've got music. <laughs> so, uh, we've had a few months off. You know. Yeah. No, it was, off. it was Thor last week. Oh, that's right. <laughs> remember, remember Led Zeppelin? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Tim uh, requested that we played actually the closing scene, uh, the song that goes with that. So, we're going to go ahead and start with that. I don't have a name for the song. Do you, Tim? I don't know what it's called. All right. So, we're going to go ahead and listen to it anyway. Here we go. A man will search his heart and soul. Go searching way out there. His peace of mind, he knows he'll find. But where, oh Lord, Lord, where? Right, just a little taste nice. there of it's, that. It's very classic yeah. Western. I have to say, overall, I thought that this soundtrack was incredible. Like, throughout the film, it just it, it sets a mood. It sets the scenery of what it is that you're watching throughout it, which I, which I know that's just kind of how these Westerns are. But when I think of, like, a, a Western in my head, sure. it has all of these sounds, and, and, and even that particular song is... What I'm thinking of the whole yep. time, you know. Yeah, there's kind of a pageant quality, I think, to yeah. a lot of westerns. Yeah, it's like we're putting on a show for you, and this has some diegetic music as well, which is like you know just happening right in front of you for you. Yeah, absolutely. And so the other song that we have very quickly is uh, based on a line that John Wayne says a hell of a lot of times <laughs> in this film, and was actually, which I did not know that the, that was the story. It's the basis for this song. Yeah, is that like Buddy Holly saw the movie and was like loved it so much that he like wrote this song like afterwards. That's right. So that'll be the day. <clears throat> We don't want to get sued, so you know. Even though he also died too soon, unfortunately. And then uh, we actually we just mentioned Buddy Holly recently. Do you guys remember? Make a pop quiz. Oh, maybe not. I didn't do it right. Hold on. I yeah. Got this. See, it's I a lot harder than you think it is. I got this. There we go. Do you remember last time I brought up Buddy Holly? What movie we were doing? And I, who played Buddy Holly? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Gary Busey. Lethal Weapon. Yeah, we did Lethal Weapon. Oh shoot, so, I did not remember that. Yep. yep. He was in the Buddy Holly story, which only... he won an Oscar for. If I remember, he was right. nominated. He was nominated. Thank you. All right, there we go. Joe, Joe looks like Buddy Holly. I have glasses, but <laughs> so does he also. Really, if anyone looks like glasses. him, it's you, LPJ. Me? Except, well, if you get rid, if you shave. I'm looking at him right now on the screen. If yes. you shaved, Buddy you Holly would looks be. like a big nosed Lebanese man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we ready to roll through this plot? Fuck you, LPJ. <laughs> yeah, let's get through this. So, who wants to lead off? I'm running a show over here, so right, someone's got to help me out. Please. Here. Don't all volunteer okay, at the same so, time. <laughs> uh, so we open with a, a, a short credit sequence, yep. mm-hmm. and then we get the uh, the block text, Texas, nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, which is interesting. Sixty eight. Sorry. Yeah, because that doesn't look like Texas at all. I've been to Texas. <laughs> it's not Texas. No, no. It, it's uh, Monument Park, which is uh, Utah, um, which he, Ford famously liked to use. I yeah. think it was a nine or ten of his western movies. Well, that's been in a, That's actually been in a 
couple of the movies we've done. I think it was in Broken Arrow. Yes, it was. It was Monument Valley. I think parts of The Rock were filmed there. Yep. Um, uh, it's a gorgeous area. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been yeah. to Utah, um, and I, I didn't visit. I I didn't visit Monument Park, unfortunately, but we did like Arches and a couple other places, which were fantastic. I did catch one of the other um, kind of. There's so much trivia with this movie, sure. Um, so we could go on and on and on. But one thing I did find out was when they were filming, it was like upwards of 120. Yeah, degrees. I saw that oh, too. Yeah. 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 which I could not imagine having to wear all that stuff in 120 <laughs> degree heat. Even dry heat, who cares? That's damn hot. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, we see um, it starts off with Ethan Edwards, right? John oh, Wayne. The, the door opens. The right? door opens. Yeah. And then the family assembles, and Ethan sort of rides up, and we get this kind of silent sequence. Yeah. You know, where everybody's like, kind of whisper, it's Uncle Ethan. Yeah. That's your Uncle Ethan. <laughs> how, how long had he been gone at this point? This, uh, well, he fought in the Civil War, yeah, right? So it's at least. You know, since the beginning of the war, probably. So I, eight I thought years, it was something, maybe? yeah, eight years, I thought. Because, like, when I was reading some stuff, they were like, oh, yeah, like, and I didn't get this from watching the movie, but they were like, well, he fought in the Civil War, but then he fought in, like, the, like, uh, Mexican, like, American War or whatever. Like, but I didn't, I didn't gleam that from watching the movie. That was in some stuff that I read, like, doing the research for it. Yeah. Yeah. The, in the movie, it's unclear what he's been doing for the last three years, like, since the war. But yeah. he's got all this money. Yeah, he comes least. back with, like, freshly printed money yeah. and gives it to the family because it's his brother's family, yeah. right? Yep. It's his brother and his wife and their kids. And then there is Martin, who is kind of Ethan's adopted son. Well, the family's adopted son. The family's son. Yeah. adopted son, right? Ethan right. found him, right? Yeah. Like, yes. And he's, he's uh, what is it, uh, an eighth Cherokee. An eighth Cherokee, which, again, we get some derogatory remarks based on him being just an eighth Cherokee, Yeah, um, Ethan ends up saying. And then I didn't catch it until I did my research, and then I'm like, oh, shit, those little hidden messages were in there. Uh, about uh, Ethan and his brother's wife, Martha? Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw yeah, that right are, off the bat as yeah. I was watching. There are I'm like, so many long glances. Something's and, going on, yeah. yeah. The way she holds that coat, especially later on, where, you know, on one side you could think, oh, maybe it's just Ethan, but it's definitely both of them have this uh, connection. I mean, at one point I thought maybe it was a situation where maybe – her and Ethan were together, and then he left to go off to the war, mm -hmm. and then his brother kind of... The kids like, are awfully old for that. They were, that, and that's what threw me off about that. Is, is, well, that doesn't work. Although his niece, his eight-year-old niece... That, that's, and that's what I read, is that they were like, well, maybe they had a thing, and that, like, Debbie is actually his child, and that's why he had such a strong connection to her, because, like, it was his, like, secret love child with his brother's yeah. wife. Yeah. I'm sure we're reading far more into this than actually. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I, that a, lot say, I think a lot of people read into this. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other difference is at the time, I think there was an expectation that people would might see the movie more than once, uh, that people were going to be Especially in the maybe we could talk about Vista Vision a little bit, yeah. But that you know that you were kind of being sucked into this thing, this sort of big screen experience that you were really going to pay attention to a lot of that nuance that you know, honestly, on a on our television screens we might miss. Yeah, yeah. Which, which actually, while bringing that up too, you know, this was the one of the first movies ever to film a documentary while they're filming this movie, yep. like a making of. Yeah. And they did that for promotional reasons and everything else. So it's really the first time we ever see something like that come about as well, which is pretty cool. So so, so he's back and kind of has a reunion with all the family. Uh, one of the main things I think to point out is he has that medal that he gives to Debbie, like mm -hmm. and he won at some point in his years yeah. away. Um, the, the Texas Rangers, I believe it's not the hockey team, though. Uh, <laughs> the actual Texas Rangers show up and they're like, hey, uh, this dude, I don't know his name. I'm going to call him this Lars Jorgensen. Thank yeah. you. They're like, he got all his cattle stolen by all these Indians, so we're putting a party together. We're going to go hunt him down and find the cattle. We need you guys to come with us. So Ethan Ethan and uh, Martin. Martin, thank you. They're like, okay, we're going to go. So they all giddy up on out on their horses, track them down. But then they find the cattle all been slaughtered. Turns out it was a plot by the Indians to lead them all away so they could attack the homestead. Correct. So, yep. so because they, that's kind of their, their MO. That's what they do. So they haul back, but unfortunately it's too late, and the house is on fire, everybody's dead, and they took uh, Debbie and... Lucy. Lucy, Lucy yep. thank you, yes. The Indians took them away. That's where we get the great funeral. Well, no, they just took Debbie away. 
No, both. They took both of them. They took both of them. I thought Lucy was dead in the shed, and no, Ethan no. didn't Martha's want Martha's in him. the shed. It's Martha. Yeah, right. they, okay. they, they took both of them. So, and that's where we get that funeral Sorry. scene with the great line where the he, the priest is going through it, and John Wayne tells him to put an amen on it because they're gonna because <laughs> they put basically put together a big party to go out and hunt down this uh, these the Indians to see if they can rescue the girls. Which yeah. I kind of write down in my notes here. I'm like, Ethan's kind of a dick in this. Oh, in the first he, oh, yeah. minutes of this. He, movie. <laughs> he, he is a he's a he's pretty much a dick through the whole thing till maybe like the last five minutes. Ah, uh, even I don't know. I mean, even five then, minutes is a lot. <laughs> yeah, he, even then he's still kind of a dick. Yeah, he really he's is. Just like, like uh, here's the kid. I'm out. Yeah. So yeah, because this the, the group of rangers are trying to hunt down the Indians. But but Ethan kind of has his own agenda. Like he doesn't want to follow what the captain is telling him what to do. Uh, well, I think it's because he he doesn't trust the captain. No. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't. Do we ever get an an idea of what their background is? Well, they definitely seem to know each other. Yeah, but there isn't anything beyond that. I don't. Yeah, think. yeah I don't think they really what, get into what it. What I think, kind of the underlying thing here is, I think they all stayed behind and didn't go fight in the war, and he left and did, and I think that's what it is. I think he feels some resentment for them not joining in the cause. You're right. When they arrived at the house, there was some of that tension. Well, Which, by the way, he, Ethan is a Confederate soldier. So yeah, that was the lost. thing. Yeah. They can't, they, he comes back, and these guys are all deputized, you know, Texas Rangers working sure. for the government. And he's like, uh-uh. He, did, he didn't want to be deputized because, you know, he fought for the South. He's still a Confederate. Only, a man's only good for one oath at a time. Yeah, see? Nice. Exactly. So uh, they, they kind of this big party picks up the chase. There's that scene where they find where the uh, the Indians have buried like they're dead from the battle, mm-hmm. and where it's where John Wayne like pulls out his gun and he shoots the the eyes out of the uh, the dead Indian because he's like, well, they believe that in order to get into the spirit world, like you, whatever it is, you can't get in if you don't have your eyes. So he's like, boom, and like shoots him out of the corpse. Yeah, which <laughs> at, at that point we definitely realize that there's a lot more going on. Yeah. Um, than just trying to find this niece of his. Yeah, I really think that's a, a key scene in terms of setting up Ethan as this kind of expert. Yeah, right? and that know. he like knows so much about the Native American culture, specifically the Comanche culture, uh, the Comanche culture, uh, and that you know that idea that I think we'll hopefully talk about at the end of the film. You know, this idea of not being able to enter the promised land is uh, very much a thing that uh, I think resonates uh, at the end of the, uh, the film for Ethan himself. Yeah. Hey, sure. L- LPJ, remember when the young guns were in the spirit world? <laughs> yeah. And they, they did all that peyote? Uh-huh. Seriously, you <laughs> need to stop comparing world, this asshole. movie to Young Guns too. Well, that, that was actually <laughs> the, first the original oh, Young Guns. But, sorry. Um, so they, they find the Indian camp. Um, Ethan wants to, like, straight up attack it, but no one else does, so they kind of bail on that. Uh, the Indians start following them, mm-hmm. like, and there's that kind of cool scene where they're like, basically, they're like, oh crap, and they end up getting kind of completely surrounded by all the Indians. So they yep. start hauling ass in their horses, and there's that chase scene, and they kind of escape across the river. Which, which Tim, uh, maybe you know a little bit more, or maybe one of you guys, if if you read more into it, um, these actors are they riding in most of these scenes? Yeah, yeah. So like, just kind of thinking more about that, like, that's some skill. Well, there wasn't really, like, a stunt guild then. No. And John Ford uh, famously did not like to do rehearsals, even. Right. He, he wanted to get everything in one, maybe two takes, for fear that somebody might get hurt. Well, and so I'm happy you bring that up, because the scene at the river where they're fighting, I saw in the background, there's this Indian that bites it, yeah. and it looks like he's, like, <laughs> getting trampled. Like I like kind of like wanted to find out. Like, is he okay? Like, this is just a movie. Is he gonna make it? Because he looks like he got fucking annihilated on the river. Yeah, yeah. It was because, not good. But it they, makes it look very believable. Absolutely. I mean, it really. Yeah. You know, for a movie for 1956. Well, you, keep you in mind that, they also that they also didn't have all of the. Um, all of the animal regulations they have now. Well, yeah, that's yeah. true, too. So, you know, yeah. they had the wires out there where they were tripping the animals. They had all those brutal techniques to make it look, because it was really happening. They yeah. were really tripping these animals. So they, they kind of have that showdown at the river. Like, the Indians try and cross, and they take out a bunch of them, and the Indians kind of end up backing down. Which kind of James Bond style. The Indians can't shoot for shit, yeah. but, but the yeah, Rangers they, can, they take out, can take out every single oh, Indian yeah. that yeah. they it see. like there's twice as many of <laughs> yeah. them as well. And, and yeah. they, so then they kind of come to that conclusion where I, I'm kind of paraphrasing this, but they're essentially like, well, if we're going to keep doing this, we either need a lot more men or a lot fewer men because yeah. we're not going to be able to track them. So 
everyone leaves besides John Wayne, uh, Martin, and the um, the boyfriend of the older daughter that got kidnapped. Brad. Yeah. Jor- Jorgensen, right? Yeah, Brad Jorgensen. Yeah. So they pick back up the trail. That's where they get to the point where there's like kind of like the mountain pass. Or, and John Wayne's like, well, you guys go that way. I'm going to go up that way. And that's when he comes back, and you can tell like immediately that there's something off. But he doesn't really want to tell them right away. But eventually... Well, I think that's what it was. I think... He knew what he was gonna find up there, yeah, and that's yeah. why he sent them around the other way. So, so he tells him he's like, "Hey, I found uh, Lucy. It was her body. She's dead." Well, actually, he doesn't tell them anything. No. Well, he, he comes back and he sits down. He's really upset, and they're like, "What was there?" And he's like, yeah. oh, "Nothing." And then it's it's only later, yeah, when Brad says that he saw Lucy uh, in the uh, that's camp, right, yeah, and then he's like, "No, you didn't, because I buried her in my coat." Yeah. Back in the canyon. And then you're just like, oh, man, that's yeah. what it was. Because Brad keeps bringing it up. Yeah. He's talking about Lucy, 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 and finally he's like, listen, the, no, right? It's not happening. So, and that's when he kind of yeah, runs he, off into the dark. Yeah, and, yeah, he freaks out and yeah. basically gets himself killed because he goes after the Indians by, him, by himself and gets yeah. killed. So, um, And then there were two. Yeah, yeah. so then like... Uh, and then we see it's winter. Yeah, so they yeah. basically have... Yeah, to, that, the time jump is really jarring at first. It yeah. is. Because yeah. they have to kind of give up the trail because it's snowing and they're like, all right, well, we have to stop following them from now. So they go to the household of the guy that got killed. Jorgensen. Oh, you, got, you skipped my favorite line in the whole movie, though, <laughs> which is uh, when John Wayne is talking about uh, just as sure as the turning of the earth, uh, where he's talking about how, you know, oh, a command will chase something until he thinks he can't chase it any longer. There's a thing that'll keep on chasing. And you know he's talking about himself. Uh-huh. You know he's got this, this you know, obsession is sort of building in him to do this. Yeah. And it's just a, a great performance scene by John Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, throughout the film, he really does. I mean, I've seen a couple of other John Wayne films, like Longest Day and a few others. And maybe because I was l- younger, like I didn't really have as much of appreciation for him, but I thought he did a phenomenal job Man, in this film. Man, I, I will throughout. say this: like he demands your attention. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, I don't think you could be a character who's as big a dick as Ethan <laughs> is through most of this movie without an actor as good as John Wayne and as charismatic as John Wayne. Like on the other side, of like it. he was like really, really good in this. Like yeah. really good. And this might be. This is maybe one of my favorite performances i've seen in oh, the movie well. like he's really good in this yeah so they get to the jorgensen's house uh that's where we we meet laurie um who is kind of all over martin <laughs> yeah right like from the get-go yeah. like those those two are well martin's kind of playing it like whatever but yeah he's kind of clueless yeah he has no idea he keeps falling over that uh that tape the 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 chair, <laughs> the chair the seat whatever it is thing, yeah. <laughs> which, which they i like how they bring that back later on in the film too uh is it the wedding that that happens too yeah. he falls over it well i think there's also something else going on there too where there's a deliberate sort of like um two sides to this thing where we see this um innocence in the mm-hmm. Brad and Laurie relationship. And then there's all of this kind of like darker sexual stuff that's being assumed about what's happening uh, to Debbie uh, and yeah. that had already happened to Lucy and maybe to Martha. Yeah. And so like it really kind of plays on this sort of like, oh, like, oh, like it's just kind of, they're, they're having normal lives. And all of this darkness is sort of around it too. Yep. Yeah, I like the way you kind of phrase that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Ethan basically takes off. He wants to leave Martin behind. Uh, so he does. Like he leaves, but like Martin wants to stay with him because he. What his big fear is that Ethan's going to find um, Debbie. Debbie and that she's going to basically have become an Indian and that he's going to kill her yeah. and that he like can't let her do that. So he's like, I got to be with him because if not, no one's going to stop him. So he ends up leaving to go after him because she, I think she gives him a horse and maybe even kind of shows him the letter or gives him an idea of where he's headed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah he, he, there's an there's a, supposed to be an, a meeting with a guy, Futterman, if I remember his name yeah. right, Yeah. Um, that has information about where Scar is. Uh, and then we find out that that's kind of like a setup too because then when they're, Martin catches up with, with Ethan, they're, they're setting up camp uh, and then Ethan's like, um, like he like sets them all up like, all right, good night. See you later. But really he knows that like, he's aware that Fuddleman's yeah. going to come after them. And that's kind of a cool scene. Like he's just kind of hiding in the distance and 
you know, Fuddleman takes the shot thinking that it's Ethan, and then he caps him while he's running, and then his other two comrades, he shoots him too. Yeah, but it's the kind of thing that if you went around telling people you had $1,000 of reward money, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? That's going to open you up to uh, to that kind of attack. It's the, the Wild West, right? Yeah. That scene also has one of my, my least favorite things in this movie, which is there's a musical cue after he says, uh, never, uh, uh, Martin says, what have you missed? And he said, it never occurred to me. And oh, then there's like, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. what, what is this? Like, <laughs> I do remember that now. It seems like from a 50s TV show. Yeah, like now yeah, it totally out of place. In. Yeah, like right after like a jab from like the Flintstones or something. <laughs> so then like I would say this is kind of where the movie where like we kind of lose maybe track of like how much time is passing in it because sure. um, uh, Lori gets that letter from Martin and she's kind of reading it and it's kind of recapping a lot of the stuff that's happened. Like the hilarious bit where he ends up with an Indian wife and he doesn't realize it. That is pretty fun. He I think, like that. He thinks he's buying like a blanket or something <laughs> and then he ends up with an Indian wife. I can't remember what her name was, but it was wild uh, goose flying in the night. <laughs> uh, also known as look. Look, yes, yeah. Look. yeah, look, that was it. Um, <laughs> I like how Marty kicks her down the hill. Yeah. Oh, oh, man, Lord. Domestic the, abuse, first is, night of marriage. It is maybe the cruelest thing in the movie. <laughs> especially because really we don't get another shot of her. Yeah. Like, we don't see what happens to her. Yeah. We, go, we go right from kicking her down to John Wayne, who, like, thinks it's hilarious. Uh-huh. And then we don't see her again until she's dead. Yeah, because she ends up, yeah. like, they, like, freak her out and she bolts, right? Yeah. I don't yeah, know they exactly. bring her like, scar and yeah. she's like, oh, no. Yeah. Because they end up catching up to what they think is Scar's camp, but it's already been destroyed by the U.S. Cavalry. Ca- yes. Cavalry. Ugh. Yeah. What's that word? Someone say it for Cavalry? Me. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, I could be saying it wrong. Too I don't know. Uh, and they, they kind of go to this camp and they're like, oh, yeah, there were some like uh, white women that we found, you know, uh, go ahead and check it out because they might be the ones you're looking for. But it's not. And these, these women are not in good shape. Like the one is like completely. Yeah, she's completely catatonic almost yeah. and yeah. just can't. I have a quote here that Ethan says, you know, they ain't white anymore. They Comanches. Yeah. Like just trying to show that, I guess, transformation in a way that that's what happened. Yeah. And certainly how he sees them. I think the other thing that's uh, interesting here is, you know, Ford had made a whole trilogy about the cavalry and like uh, sort of talking about how great they were and what an important force uh, throughout the West. And then you get this like much darker vision of them where we see where we hear the bugle first. And it's not a bugle that's bringing hope. It's not a bugle that's bringing help. Because the next thing we see from there is the you know uh, desolation of the camp. Which yeah. I'm going to bring this up right now, too. I think this is actually where I think there's, where I found a, a bigger weakness in the film. Is I wish, and, and I think it's just the, the, the era of the time that this movie was made. Is that I, I wish there was more story from the Comanche point of view. Sure. And what was going on. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll just mention it now. I, I feel like, well, I mentioned a little bit earlier, actually, that, you know, like, you know, when Debbie is is fully joined into the tribe, I just feel like it, it seems so, I mean, it's been a number of years, but it just seems a, slightly unbelievable how, like, she's already, like, abandoned that old life or given up hope or whatever it is. I guess it would have been interesting to find out, like, the stuff she was going through. And I think that that could have helped a little bit and maybe the attitude that the the viewer could have gotten. Yeah, what I think was if going you on. remake this movie, like that's what the movie is about. Yeah. Right. Like I don't I don't know if you could remake this movie in the same way. Like you'd have to tell that side of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, one of the things in the movie, uh, you know, is that the Calvary and the uh, and the other white people do worse things mm-hmm. than the uh, than the Native Americans do, kind of throughout. Right. That that desolation of the villages. Far worse than anything else we see. Yeah, the women and, the, and children are yeah. killed and all that. And the attack at the end is similarly uh, far more brutal yeah. uh, than the stuff we see earlier on. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, so they get word. There's a guy that's seen Debbie in New Mexico. They head there. Um, this guy, uh, I can't remember that guy's name, but he basically introduces him. He takes this is the mariachi home. guy. Yeah, well, it's Moe's who introduces him. Moe's. Oh, yeah. that's right. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. So they get an introduction. They go and they meet Scar. They kind of meet in his. Uh, TP, um, and that's a 
Debbie's there, but at this point, she seems to have like completely embraced. She's basically become an Indian herself. Which I like yeah. that moment because even we don't know is Debbie still alive or yeah. not. You know, like you you still are kind of left guessing. You know, we we found out that her sister, you know, is dead. Like there's there's a good chance she still could be as well, or she could be dead as well. And then I liked the reaction when the two of them are like, oh. It, it's fucking her, <laughs> right? Like, like there she is, and like they can't act right now, you yeah, know. And Martin is like, he's trying to get up, and Ethan yeah. just settles him, right? Like, yeah, I really like that scene. Yeah. We also hear in that scene that Scar has lost his sons, uh, who've been killed by white men, yeah, right. And so, you know, the paralleling of Scar and Ethan in this movie is so strong, mm-hmm. especially in that scene where, yeah, uh, you know, I think the the line is, "You speak good English," and then no, he comes back, "You speak good Comanche." <laughs> No, he, what he actually says is you speak good American. Oh, you're right. <laughs> which is like, <laughs> which is like I, I definitely wrote that line down. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but at this point, Debbie's kind of like, hey, I don't want to go with you. Mm-hmm. These are my people. You guys should get out of here. And uh, Ethan's immediate reaction is that he wants to kill her. Yeah. Yeah. But Martin won't let him do it. And, you know, we should mention that this, as you know, you had discussed in the uh, Cynthia Ann Parker story earlier, that is fairly common, uh, you know, whether we think about it in terms of Stockholm Syndrome or, mm-hmm. you know, certainly historians have suggested that, you know, uh, they simply enjoyed their lives more as Native Americans uh, and that the, the amount of women who simply like left uh, settled life to go live with natives was kind of uh, has historically always been a factor on the frontier. Yeah, Absolutely. Um. I'm so, to think what we well, the next. Indians attack them after that. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Ethan gets hurt. He gets like I think shot or hit with an arrow or something. Hit so with an arrow. He's yep. kind of in rough shape, and they end up kind of leaving. They're like, "All right, well," and they go back to the Jorgensons. Which to me, this little stretch here is probably m- the weakest part of the movie sure. for me. Where they find out that guy, I can't remember his name, the guy with a really weird voice. <laughs> Charlie. Charlie. Charlie McCory. So Charlie. Like, like Charlie and um, Lori are going to be married and they conveniently show back up on their wedding day. Thank goodness. Yeah. And how convenient <laughs> on the wedding day. <laughs> and the, there they show. There's a big brawl between uh, Martin and Charlie. Which is kind of funny because it's the wedding day, but everyone's like, well, yeah, let them fight and sort this out. It's well, it's really- a good-natured, gentlemanly fight. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right? They've got, they spit over the firewood. <laughs> they don't break the guy's fiddle. You know, they're very <laughs> concerned with the, you know, decorum of the fight. So yeah, I, I put that down. It's very polite fighting. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, the fight kind of, whatever, the fight happens. And then, like, the, the Texas Rangers, again, not the hockey team, show back up. Baseball team? It's baseball. Oh. I didn't correct you the first time, but New York, New York, New York Rangers. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, you know what, guys. Uh, <laughs> and then also the Reverend, who was the captain of the Texas Rangers. You know, he was about to marry them, but then now he's like, "Oh, while you two are here, yeah, we kind of got to talk because you killed Fuddleman." Yeah, he's like, "Ooh, by the way, I gotta arrest you guys because you murdered this man." And they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, Oops. yeah." What? Well. So, how did they get resolved? It, it never does. No, because it before they could arrest, before they could arrest him, that's when the the uh, John Wayne's son, the Lieutenant Greenhill, or whatever, yeah, shows yeah. up and is like, "Hey, oh, that's right." He's like, "Hey, we found the Indians. They're here. We need your help to go attack them. They're on their way, but we need you guys to go ahead of us and kind of like." scout out or whatever yeah. so they're like all right well we'll arrest you later we need you to come <laughs> with us to go do this yeah. so so they get to the indian camp they were they're gonna attack but martin's like hey let me go in let me sneak in first and see if i can get to debbie right give me the chance yeah. so they're like you have your chance but if the time comes to attack and you're not out whatever's whatever. gonna happen is gonna happen yeah which i like that scene too because uh, if I remember right, like Martin, Martin's in there trying to find Debbie. Scar shows up in there, and then you know he has to shoot him essentially. Yeah, right. Martin, yeah. Martin ends up killing Scar. Yep. Which the which only- which is I I like that maybe like non poetic justice because I'm sure Ethan wanted that kill. Oh, totally. And didn't get it. And but, I think that part of the uh, you know the appeal there is that you know Ethan doesn't get what he wants. Yeah. Right. You know, as an audience, like we're definitely on Team Martin. Like, please don't kill Debbie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that would be horrible <laughs> to watch. Uh, you know, and so, you know, the siding with Martin and giving him the kill there, I think, is, you know, kind of a piece of this. It's also a replay of the earlier argument about do yeah. we want to rush in or sure. do we want to uh, just go in a little bit and try to pull him out? Yep. Yeah. And then Ethan scalps uh, Scar. Yeah. Yes. Which when they do uh, fully charge in. 
Yeah. And then um, Debbie is trying to run away, if I remember right, and Ethan's chasing after her. Uh, And we don't know, like, is Ethan going to shoot her dead or are we going to let this happen? And, And she, you know, he allows her to... Hey, it's kind of like that big dramatic moment where you don't know what's going to happen, but then John Wayne just kind of like scoops her up and takes her up on the horse, and he's like, "All right, I'm going to take you home." Yeah, he says, "Let's go home." Yeah, well, it's the it's a replay of the scene when they uh, when he sees her for the first time at the right. beginning of the film. He holds her up over his arms, mm-hmm. drops her down, and says, "Let's right. go home, Debbie." Yep, and th- and that's kind of how we get to the end of the movie is they take her home to the Jorgensons, and you know they kind of take her in with open arms, and he were the like the last shot is that him like outside still while like that door is closing yeah and i think we should talk maybe a little bit about that uh that ending yeah um so you know one of the things about this film is that it essentially you could fold it in half uh and it's like a mirror the first half is a mirror image of the second half Mm -hmm. in that ethan is alone at the beginning he's alone at the end in who's inside the house who's outside and then we get the from the beginning the buildup of the community to go search uh, and then the time when they're on their own. And then at the end, once again, the return of the community. Uh, and then again, Ethan being left out there. Wow. Uh, and so he does he does this kind of wonderful physical bit, uh, John Wayne, where he grabs his arm and he just kind of slowly walks away. And it's, um, yep. it's a reference to, I mentioned Harry Carey, the uh, Western actor. And apparently Olive Carey, his wife, was right behind the camera watching that, just bawling her eyes out mm. uh, as uh, John Wayne was doing it. Very cool. I like that. So, yeah, there we are. Yeah. Yep. We the made it searchers. through. It just basically <laughs> wraps up at that point. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we, we get that soundtrack we were listening to a little bit earlier and... There we have it. Um, am I missing anything before we get ready to rate this guy? Did you? I thought you said you had a role reversal. For I this. do. Yeah, I have one role reversal. Oh, all right, what do you got? I have. Oh, I had it. There it is. Uh, I have one for for Martin. Uh, originally, Robert Wagner was going to be Martin, huh, okay. but he turned down the role. I can't. Don't know. Don't, don't know if he turned the role down or if he was, um, or if uh, uh, they just didn't select him. So what do you think? Do you think Robert Wagner would have been better or worse? Well, it's weird because obviously Robert Wagner married Natalie Wood. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and so uh, that'd be, you know, maybe they would have met earlier on this film. <laughs> uh-huh. Or yeah. maybe he wouldn't have murdered her. I don't know. I, I don't know. Mar- oh, yeah. There is, <laughs> there is some speculation. I, I'm sorry. I don't want to. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, Robert Wagner, if you're listening. <laughs> I don't mean to assume that. Well, and I don't, but- know, I don't know much of his early career, like how well of a fit he would have been in this role. I, mean, uh, I think he would have been fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's. I don't know that it would have been, okay. been any better. Or any, <laughs> I don't know that it would have necessarily been any different. Fair enough. I have one more pop quiz. All right. Well, pop quiz, hot shot. Um, George Lucas borrows the plot of this movie for what film? Uh, Star Wars? Which one? Well, it's the, f- the one that's called Star Wars uh, A New Hope. Uh, and it's you know the murder of uh, Luke's family yeah. uh, is almost a shot-for-shot shot redux of uh, the murder scene in the film. There's another time in Star Wars it happens too. Is it the is it the Attack of the Clones? It is. It's okay. Anakin yeah. when he sees his mom is being was you know held hostage by um, the sand the people, sand people. the Tusken Raiders. Oh yeah. yeah. I killed them all. That's right. And um, Lucas. Not as well done as this movie. <laughs> no. And, but Lucas said, like, I did it because of this film. I mean, let's be fair, though. It's like the Searchers 1A, 1B is Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, that's it. Yeah. I mean, listen, guys, you are groaning, but wait till that next <laughs> AFI list comes out. <laughs> yeah, it, is, it might be worthwhile to talk about some of the impacts that the film has had in other films. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, pretty obviously, uh, Taxi Driver borrows yep. uh, significantly from the film. Um, Scorsese, you know, yeah. Yeah, Scorsese loves this movie. He talks about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, but also uh, Paul Schrader, uh, who wrote Taxi Driver, uh, made a wrote Taxi Driver and made his own film, Hardcore, which mm-hmm. essentially has the same plot. Uh, Vim Vender's Paris, Texas, uh, a, a masterpiece in its own right, uh, also borrows pretty significantly. There's a, a very recent film, uh, Hostiles, um, with uh, Christian Bale. Oh yeah, uh, and Rosamund Pike, which is a very good film. Yep, uh, but also has some very similar sequences to in the beginning of that film uh, here. There's a Ron Howard film called uh, Missing with um, yep. uh, Tommy Lee Jones, in which he plays the kind of Ethan role. Like This is well-traversed uh, material. And even, um, I think, um, uh, Vince Gilligan 
uh, claimed that the yeah, Breaking, Bad, Breaking, Bad, Breaking Bad, Bad yeah, was, the uh, final episode. By it. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely hugely influential in general. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's rate this thing. All right. All right, Tim, as the guest, you get to either go first or pick one of us to go first. Well, I think I'll just go first. Uh, so this would, this would definitely be a film that would be in my own personal top ten, which I don't actually have a personal top ten. But if I did, the searchers would have to be in it, and so I'm going to go ahead and rate it a ten. It's out oh, of five. Oh, it's out of five. But, I mean, if you want to no, give it, he's not give it ten. Double it. The hell with your All five. Right. Now, I see your five, and I raise. Um, no, I'll I'll just go five then. All right, perfect. Uh, I mean, I'll go. I think for this one, I'm going to do a last action podcast first, and I'm going to give this two separate ratings. Okay, okay. let me explain. Uh, okay. Are we allowed to to? Should we allow this? I'm Jody, Jody gave a movie hand grenades. Oh, it was web grenades. <laughs> web grenades. Listen, I'm breaking the rules, but you'll understand why. I will say as if you're a fan of cinema, if you're a fan of movies, this is an amazing movie. It's great. It's well made. It's, 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 it's great. So in that regards, Five Machine Guns. It's a great movie. However, I will caution... Whereas if you're used to kind of the normal movies we watch and you're not into cinema and you don't, this isn't like the most action, action movie ever. So like if you're going into it and you're expecting something that we, you know, we would normally cover on this podcast, it's going to be more like action wise, probably like a two, two and a half. But, you know, somewhere in the yeah. middle, I, I don't think there's, there's not, I mean, there's some good scenes in it, but I think if you, you had, I think you had to go into it knowing that it's just a great movie, but it's not necessarily like a lot of the other ones we cover. Well, and that's something that, you know, we, we constantly have this conversation throughout our episodes, like how action is the movie we do, whether it's Top Gun, whether it's Fistful of Dollars, whether it's even Heat recently. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's so hard to define the genre. And, and we, which I like that we do it, you know, we do branch out yeah. pretty far. I mean, we just did Willow. You know, did, that's a yeah. fantasy <laughs> movie, right? Um, so for, for me, I'm going to keep it. Um, with just one rating, and I am going to give it... I'll give it four machine guns. Uh, it was a really good movie. Um, it's one I would definitely watch again um, with all of the history behind it and all of the impact behind it and all of that. Um, you know, I give that full rating props, but, you know, I'm going to incorporate the action element into it, which was what will knock it down just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, th- I think I think if I was being more true to the format, my aggregate score would be like a four, probably three yeah. and a half to four. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, I'm right with you guys. I think, um, and again, I'm not a guy who generally likes westerns. I like this movie. Like, I, I enjoy this movie, and I absolutely 100% see the um, the influence that it has on everything and the importance of this movie. So in that regard, it's definitely a five. Um, but as far as like my enjoyment of the movie in general, I'm going to put it at about a four, um, simply because... You know, it's not really in my wheelhouse as far as Westerns. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. I just don't like Westerns that much. Um, and it's not super action-packed, but I absolutely 100% enjoyed watching this movie, and I bought it, and I will definitely watch it again. <laughs> and it's also kind of like what we did with Five Deadly Venoms. It's made yeah. me want to pursue more Western movies. Sure. Like, I'm interested in finding out more of John Ford's catalog sure. and John Wayne. Um, I think the one I was thinking of is The Legend of... Rooster Cogburn? No. <laughs> um, you might know it. Something Vance. Oh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Vance. The Man Who Shot... Yeah, The Man Who Shot Liberty Vance. I hear that's a terrific movie that as well. That is a very good film. I'm happy to come back and talk about The Man Who Shot Liberty Vance. <laughs> so if you want to talk about that. And we can listen to that sweet song, yeah. the title song from it. That's a good one. Oh, all right. So Another I'm, place to go would be uh, Red River by uh, Howard Hawks. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Howard Hawks. It would make a really good. good double pairing with this. It's the first time John Wayne really goes dark. Great. All right. Good to know. Um, yeah. Tim, <laughs> thank you so yeah, much. Thank you so much for, for bringing this movie. I'm yeah. really happy we got to do a, a I, I'm happy classic Lester. I'm very happy we saw it. Thanks, thanks, thanks we for saw bringing it. the movie and all the knowledge. It was nice yeah. to get some of that background <laughs> and context for real. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate sure. uh, being invited in. Anything you want to plug? Well, I mean, I guess for, for fans of The Searchers, if there's anybody out there, um, I would recommend uh, there's a, a very good recent book. Uh, Glenn Frankel uh, was the author. It's uh, The Searchers, The Making of an American Legend. Uh, and if you're interested in John Ford more generally, there's an excellent biography by Joseph McBride uh, called Searching for John Ford. Cool. Nice. Excellent. Any, any beverages you want to plug? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Anything? Uh, uh, 
No. Do you have a particular <laughs> video game you like? Oh, God. <laughs> um, I've been playing a lot of Tetris lately. Okay. No, see, that's good. Um, the Tetris I, 99? No, uh, actually, I've been playing it on my phone. I have a, a, oh. a high score of 455 lines. That's pretty wow. good. Solid. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Nice. Anything else? Tetris is my jam, too. Do we need to plug anything else? Absolutely we do. What, what, what do we have to plug? Why don't you tell me? <laughs> Not your bitch. <laughs> We are part of the GameZilla Media Network. We sure are. And uh, we got lots of podcasts. You can check out Sphinx and I on Noobs and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, our first D&D campaign, which is really out of my element, but I am enjoying it. Yeah, you're getting uh, better. Yeah, it's on. Oh, because well, you've been so good on the show? No way in hell. I'm carrying the team right now. <laughs> and you know that. By the time this episode comes out, the tables may have been turned that's quite true. a bit. Uh, but that's on Wednesdays. On Tuesdays um, is the GameZilla podcast, our, our head show that is hitting on m- current gaming news. They do stream their show live on uh, Twitch on Monday nights. Thursdays, we have the Legend of Retro podcast, which is on retro video games on Thursdays. And then Sunday, we have Noiseland Arcade, which is our Simpsons podcast. Um, we have a bunch of different streamers as well that you can get access to. I've been continuing my music blogs. I hope people have been maybe uh, reading some of those. Well, by the time this comes out, I think all your music blogs will be out by then, right? Are you still going to continue doing them into uh, the, the into goal the is I don't want to stop doing them. So oh. well, in that case, yeah. check out the Sphinx's goal is to try and blogs. do two a month. So that's where I'm at right now. So I think radio I, at the time yeah, this recording. Yeah, radio had just today came out. I just saw yeah just okay computer. Today, I did some yeah. okay yeah, computer. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so with all of that, there's so much for you on Gamezilla um, on the Gamezilla network. We hope that if you're Wanting to help us out financially, you will through patreon.com slash gamezilla media. Yeah. But it is that time. <laughs> this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs>